I'm Dr. Michelle Plaster, and you're listening to Between Two White Coats, a podcast where we dig into key issues surrounding health and wellness. I'm a family medicine doctor, and my co-host, Amber Foster, is a family medicine nurse practitioner. In our combined 30 years in medicine, we've seen a lot. We're discussing some of our biggest questions, obstacles, and patient-centered advice in hopes of educating you and keeping you informed. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you have found this podcast helpful, give us a five-star rating and review. This helps other people find our podcast. And make sure you share it with your friends. Thank you for your time. We look forward to serving you. Hi, we just want to welcome you guys to our new season. This season, we are going to be talking about what is cancer. And although that doesn't seem like a big topic that probably most people want to address, it actually is a big concern that we have as medical providers. Most often when people hear cancer, they kind of shut down. And so a lot of the things kind of get misconstrued. Um, And you might like, even as a, a child of a a parent, my parent had cancer, like you just kind of shut down even as a medical provider. So this kind of is going to explain a little bit more um, as far as what is cancer and what you can kind of expect. What we're going to do through this season, uh, we have a couple of brilliant guests that we were so blessed to have join us. Um, And so we're going to talk today about really understanding what is cancer. And then we're going to meet with a couple of uh, brilliant physicians. One is a oncologist with extra training in genetics, and he's going to take us through a couple of different episodes and understanding the genes behind cancer and understanding a lot of the treatments. Um, and then we have a wonderful breast surgeon who is going to take us with a lot of information on breast cancer. But where we want to start really is understanding what even is cancer. Just like Amber said, we hear cancer and we don't know where to go, except that it's the worst thing that you could have just told me. The big C word. That's what patients say. The big C word. And and people don't know how to process that. So first, let's just help you understand uh, what's going on with cancer. Um, if I say the pathophysiology of cancer, I am don't turn us off. I am confident you will all find another podcast. Um, however, let's just understand what's going on in your body with cancer, so that when you hear that someone has cancer, you have a clue. What does that even mean? So all of our cells, almost every cell in our body, is aging, dying, and replicating. And so we have this DNA, which is the material, the uh, the building blocks, the recipe for how we replicate those cells. So a skin cell can become a new skin cell and a liver cell can become a new liver cell. And this is constantly happening throughout our life. And we have different ways that those cells can get deregulated and mess this up. One is to produce the cells too fast, but they are normal cells. And the other would be to produce the cells too fast and they are abnormal or cancer cells. When you hear tumor, that just means an extra growth. It doesn't mean that someone has cancer. And so someone can have a benign tumor, which you only find these things out by taking a piece of the tissue and looking at it under a microscope and saying, hey, you had a little extra growth there. We looked at it and it was completely normal cells. So your cells grew too much. They replicated too quickly, but they're normal. And that's considered benign. And we don't worry so much about that, except that it takes up too much space. So people may have, they may be familiar with something like a lipoma, where you have too many fat cells and it's this little lump or bump in your your skin area on the surface. 
And you don't necessarily have to do anything about a benign lipoma um, because it takes up extra space, but there's space there. It's not causing any problem. Things like a brain tumor that are benign, you don't have a lot of extra space in your cranium. The bone doesn't give. And so you will frequently have to remove any additional growth in the brain because it's pressing against brain tissue and keeping that tissue from doing what it's supposed to. But you remove it. It's normal cells. It's not cancer. And so you monitor to just make sure these things don't grow back. So when I was in school, because if you're hearing benign or malignant, they both kind of sound like fancy words. And I used to always think benign is boring, which means you don't get to do a whole, I mean, you may have to do something, but it's usually not as extensive as something that is malignant. So I always like be you know, how I, how yeah. I did things in school. Benign is boring. Benign is boring. Yes. Um, and then the other would be malignant. So if your DNA ends up mutating and it, when you replicate the cell, <clears throat> you don't build a normal cell. You build a cell that has a different DNA pattern to it. And those cells are aggressive and they want to reproduce very quickly. And when you look at them, you can see that those are cancer cells. And so any area that replicates has the potential of becoming a cancer cell if the DNA mutates. And any area that replicates can do that. So you can get cancer cells of anywhere in your body. Um, So then those would be if you have DNA that's mutated and you're replicating cells too quickly and those are cancer cells, then that would be malignant. And so when you hear that the tumor was malignant, then it means it was cancerous. And then take us through what the other fancy word that we often hear with cancer metastatic would mean. Metastatic means that it has just went outside the original source. So if you hear something like metastatic breast cancer, then that means that where the cancer was initially replicating the abnormality in the breast, then it would move somewhere like the lung or the liver. So it means it's outside of the initial place that it was found. And typically we, we have ways, so you'll hear people say, yeah, they're going to take my lump of my breast, that is cancer, and they're going to take some lymph nodes. And uh, we have the science to say, this is the typical spread. This is where cells go. They, they are drained by the lymph system. And so the next place would probably be these axillary, meaning in the armpit, lymph nodes. And so they typically will go to a specific lymph node and look for spread there. And uh, so you're looking at the surrounding tissue, you're looking at the nearest lymph nodes that drain that area to see whether there's metastasis. And that typically happens with surgical interventions. We look at the different tissues that would be the common places to spread. In future episodes, when we talk about what happens after you get a cancer diagnosis, um, one of our uh, oncology friends will take us through what would typically happen in that first visit, which is getting CT scans, getting MRIs, And that's looking to see, is there any spread? So they're going to scan your brain. They're going to scan your abdomen and make sure that they don't see any lesions on anything for any potential spread. And that's how then we can figure out, is the cancer isolated to one place or is it metastatic or has it spread? Um, It's important to understand that uh, until you look at these cells under the microscope, you don't really know what they are. So there may be something like Amber just talked about breast cancer can metastasize to the lungs. And we have these places that are the common sites of metastasis for different primary cancers. Um, But cancer in the lung, we have to look at. And if you look at it under the microscope and it's breast tissue that has these cancer features, then we know that was breast cancer that spread to the lungs. And, um, And so it's still breast cancer. That does not mean that that person now has lung cancer. They have metastatic breast cancer. 
Um, and this just sort of helps as you're understanding. And we will talk about in future episodes how these things get staged, stage one, stage two. How do you understand that and, and interpret it so that you know how serious that may be when you're trying to understand what's going on with yourself or your loved one and a cancer diagnosis? Um, so we've talked about benign versus malignant and what is metastasis once it's spread. Um, what are the general symptoms of cancer? I always say it's all or nothing. <laughs> like you can have a ton of symptoms or you can have absolutely none. Um, most often the ones that we get worried about as medical professionals uh, are fatigue, um, unexplained weight loss, um, sometimes pain specifically to a location. I've had multiple patients that have been like, I'm hurting in this particular area or they feel something, you know, they come to us concerned about it. Um, and, you know, and then it may would be cancer, but usually um, it's, it can be a big bunch of nothing or a whole lot of something. Yeah. If cancer had one specific outstanding symptom, it wouldn't be so darn hard to find <laughs> and it, we would never have metastatic because we'd catch it early. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the fact that some people don't feel bad in any way whatsoever. And we may catch a cancer as what we call an incidental finding. We were scanning you for something else and saw what's going on on their liver yeah. there. Um, or, you know, part of our screening test and, and a big part of doing these early screening tests. Why do we get your mammogram? Because you're not sick with breast cancer, but yet we can find it on a mammogram and get rid of it before you get sick. Yeah. But then once it's spread all over your body and you have diffuse metastasis, now cancer cells take a lot of energy. When cancer cells are starting to spread everywhere, you think of cells that are replicating very quickly. They're turning over at you know a much faster rate than a normal cell. Um, that requires a lot of metabolism. And so these people start losing weight, nausea, um, nausea uh, feeling feeling like uh, they have no energy, that they're just dragging. That could also be, you know, a mom. It could be a million (laughs) other things. Yes. Exactly. Which is why, you know, all of us healthcare professionals have diagnosed ourselves with cancer at some point. I have a headache and I'm tired. It must be, you know, some kind of brain tumor. Um, Because it can be, it can be people who have diffuse metastasis and, and they have cancer in a lot of places. They've lost weight. They have no appetite. They're nauseated. They are super tired, um, and uh, and we look at them and go, oh gosh, this isn't good. I I think that you have cancer somewhere, but that is normally after significant spread. Yeah. Um. I I mentioned mammograms, but let's throw out all of our recommendations yeah. for how we catch these things before you get symptoms. So mammograms, and we we went through all this in our preventive and wellness Which was episodes. Last few episodes. Yeah, and so we would definitely encourage you if you're trying to figure out if I done all my screening stuff, I want to make sure I'm being careful that you reference through that. But colonoscopies, uh, mammograms, pap smears, um, CT scans for your lungs if you have a history of being a smoker and are between certain age groups. There's a lot of different things that we do to try to catch cancer early. Mm-hmm. And the reason that we have to do these screenings is because there are no symptoms. Yeah. Well, There's nothing telling us as well, there. like a CBC for um, hematological type cancers. Yep, absolutely. Um, so uh, what 
helps us to uh, think and lifestyle, we may be able to control whether we get cancer or not. Of course, we can't control everything, but how do we do the best job with the things that we can control? Um, Well, we always say this, Shelly, and I'll always say this a million times over, like exercise and diet, like preventative health care is definitely one way you can do that. Um, genetics is not something that you can necessarily control. Um, but you know, if you have a high, uh, family, a high risk family, uh, cancers, things like breast cancer, like the BRCA gene. And I'm sure you probably talked about that. With yes. Dr. Yes. We'll get the future episodes. Details um, on that. But those types, if you have a family history of cancer, um, you know, there's screenings for that, um, now, but and, that and definitely we do go through some of the details for if you have a different risk, uh, based on your genetics. Um, and the future episodes for this season will take you through how your um, recommendations may be different than mm-hmm. other people's. And, you know, oftentimes genetics, people think, oh, my gosh, everyone in my family's got a cancer. Um, I don't I don't have any option. This is going to be my cause yeah. of death. Um, and well, that was me. I had my, my, I thought, well, here we go. I'm going to go ahead because I have a, a very significant family history of cancer. And I did genetic testing and I didn't have any variant. I was like, yeah. well, yet. But I was like, thank the Lord. You right. Know? And so genetic testing often takes the black cl- the black mm-hmm. cloud away. Um, but also, you know, I think our genes tell us that there's a bullet in the gun, but it doesn't mean that we have to pull the trigger. Yeah. And so if you have a family history of diabetes, but you eat right, exercise, never let yourself get overweight, there's a solid chance you're never going to become a diabetic. Mm-hmm. Same thing can happen with cancer. It's not true all the time. But if you try to do the right lifestyle, try to decrease your exposures to carcinogenic agents, cancer-causing agents. Which is in everything. Which is in everything. (laughs) A lot of things. So obviously, we don't want you to smoke. Uh, We would love if there was less pollution in the air that we breathe. Plastics. Um, Exposure to plastics, microwaving plastics, a lot of these, you know, as particles break down and we're ingesting more of them, there are definitely carcinogens in plastics. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, there is increased, uh, cancer risk, particularly for estrogen dependent cancers with obesity, mm-hmm. uh, fat cells will secrete estrogen. And so if you have more fat cells, you will have more estrogen. So if you have a family history of estrogen dependent cancers like breast or ovary, then you want to make sure you work to maintain mm-hmm. a normal weight, um, and that you're trying to eat right. And, and, you know, we talked about in our first season on, uh, fast food. So uh, a friend saw me and said, thank you. I cannot eat fast food now without (laughs) feeling terrible about it. Um, but in looking at what's in fast food and how many cancer causing agents that other countries have banned because they're carcinogenic that are allowed in our fast food. Absolutely. And even in makeup and hair products, like all of that stuff. Yeah. Like you said, it's in everything. everything. Um, and so you're not allowed to leave your house, breathe your air (laughs) or eat your food, eat your food. Um, but being able to do so in the cleanest way possible, you know, and some people, can choose different ways to do that, whether you're trying to eat organic, whether you're making sure that you stay away from the super harmful stuff like cigarette smoke, that you're maintaining a normal weight, that you're just trying to do the healthy lifestyle stuff. The same stuff that you're doing to prevent heart disease and diabetes is going to help you to reduce your cancer risk as well. Um, And as Amber said, you know, why does cancer happen can be highly genetic. And so that is um, another, you, you may already have that increased risk. Um, and our bodies kind of programmed to clean up these mutant cells. So when we have these DNA mutations, our immune system can identify those and come in and try to clean that up and not let cancers produce. 
And over time, we get less good at that. So as we're aging, just one of the things that increases risk of cancer is age, Mm -hmm. whether it's repeated exposure. So things like melanomas, well, I'll say to patients, you've had 80 years of sun exposure. That's more of a risk than 20 years of sun exposure when you're younger. But your immune system may not be as good at picking out those mutated cells and cleaning them up as well. So simple part, aging increases our risk of cancers as well. Um, There are, so I've heard a couple of times in this past year when people are trying to tell me why they don't trust the COVID vaccine and they'll say, uh, how can we get a vaccine for COVID in this short period of time, but yet we can't get a cure for cancer? So Amber, answer that super easy question. Why can't we get a cure for cancer? Because there's an, about over 100 um, types of cancer. Like I was about to say a bazillion, but that's there not, is a, that, there is a that's bazillion. Not, there's types. like a bazillion types of cancer. Um, it is. It's not, you know, we use the word cancer as if it's one thing that we need to fix. Yeah. Um, and we're starting to appreciate even as we learn a lot and hear and are invested in this pandemic we hear about this variant and this variant. And then we're like, just when we thought we had an answer, in came a variation. Yeah. Well, it would that just is... be like saying like hypertension. Well, why can't you just take one med for all types of hypertension? Well, some people are resistant to it. Like some people, you know, so yeah. they w- you would have to say that about any other disease process. And we don't. And can't. we don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think because we cancer is so alarming and we just, why can't we fix cancer? Um, but so many reasons because cancer is so complicated. There are over a hundred types of cancer from different organs, different cells, same organ, different cancers, um, different ways that cells mutate. Um, there are a number of different DNA mutations that happen with that. I, when we, in a future episode, when we talk with Dr. Eric Flint, he takes us through some of the treatments and how we have evolved so much in treatments And so, you know, traditionally we had basic chemotherapy and the way that chemotherapy works is it finds these quickly replicating cells, these cells that turn over really fast and it tries to kill them. And when it's a very generic chemotherapy of old, old, old days, it would find every cell that turns over really fast. So what cells turn over really fast? Your hair cells. So you end up losing all your hair because hair constantly falls out and is reformed. Mm -hmm. You have skin issues, dry skin and other things. Skin cells turn over. Your red blood cells live for three months and then they turn over. So you end up with anemia as we may kill off some of those red blood cells. But as we have advanced so much, so as we say, why haven't we come up with a cure for cancer? And so many of these cancers we have. And now we can actually identify the specific DNA to say, this DNA um, is unique to this cancer. Let's give a medicine that's going to identify that DNA and go in and kill only those replicating cells and not your hair cells and not your skin cells and your blood cells and everything else, which is amazing scientific advancement. Um, But there are a lot of different cancers and So not only are there a lot of cancers and not only are they very specific to the person who has them, your own personal DNA becomes a factor in how we choose to treat you and how well you do with that. Um, And uh, all the other environmental factors that you're exposed to, all of these things are going to to determine how well we do um, with coming up with treatments. But the take-home message, and you'll hear this throughout this season, is we have come so far in cancer treatments um, and so far in advancements. 
Um, we're, we're going to continue to take you through learning more about cancer and understanding and appreciating cancer, but we're going to end this season with um, really the C word and what happens when someone receives a diagnosis of cancer from a psychological and mental standpoint. And what we want people to appreciate is cancer is complicated, but we have a lot of answers and it is not the death sentence that a lot of people believe it to be. Thank you for uh, spending your time with us today as we start to get a little foundation of what is cancer and understanding cancer. Please join us next week as we have Dr. Eric Flint, who is a medical oncologist, and he will help us to dive into genetics and cancer. We like to end each episode on a positive note. So here's today's Tell Me Something Good. Something good is science. Science allows us to get smarter and continue to improve the kind of medical advances and treatments that are available to us. I know that in the past year and a half of pandemic, science has been frustrating for people because information changes. But as information changes, it's because we are learning things and getting smarter. So I am thankful for science and I believe it is truly something good. Thank you for joining us today, and until next time, take care of yourself.